you can find a million people to do the how part for you, but the why part is what you really need to understand because that's how you can really make things happen. I just like to think about why things work the way they do. I wanted to say a big thank you to our sponsor, Talent Insights. Talent Insights are Australia's leading data specialist recruitment business. They are experts in recruitment strategy and delivery for analytics and data teams. They are the go-to recruitment business for all your data roles in Australia, and they can help both with permanent hires and short-term project-focused data resources. I've used Talent Insights in the past, and I've always found them fantastic to work with. Visit them at talentinsights.com.au. I might switch over to the results of the poll, actually, and we can talk through those. So uh, first question was, how confident do you feel in your ability to lead profit-forming data science projects? Great question. Um, 43% of people said not very confident. And then the next most popular answer was somewhat confident with 36% of people. And then we had 21% say that they feel confident and no one said that they feel extremely confident. Very interesting answers there. What are your thoughts, Lillian? If you answered not very confident, you don't worry. If you're working in a day job, a lot of times <laughs> they don't like so much discussing money. <laughs> and so, you don't, like, I didn't learn about um, you know, generating profits with data until I started working with these big companies as an independent consultant. And then as a now learning as a business, don't worry so much about not feeling confident because there's, you can develop a process that basically say protects the return on investment in your data, the work you do in your data projects, that, and basically it's not your fault because in the employment environment, they don't, they discourage the talk about how much money people are. You can get fired in some places for saying how much money you're making. And then they also probably don't want most implementation people realizing how much, if you're, if it is generating revenue, how much, you know, how much revenue it is generating, because then they would maybe get unhappy with the salary. So if you don't have an idea for a company, um, also- Oh, sorry, you know, hang on. Before before we go into the, the next one, I was going to ask you about, what about for, for people that do want to um, improve their ability to, to lead profit-forming data science projects? And, and uh, my, my assumption there, I think, is that people would feel most pressure from the, the profit-forming part that I think that they would feel, people uh, would feel like they can definitely be part of a data science project and perform well. Yeah. Uh, people might feel okay in leading a data science project or, or some people might feel okay, but then um, making sure that it's a profitable uh, project or initiative, I think that that might be the, the where, where people need the bigger lift or, or where the, the bigger gap might be. Um, would you have any, any tips for people to start um, making that transition or thinking about the profit that the work can can bring? Yeah, I can share with you my framework and I will. Mm -hmm. But also um, your ability to lead profit forming date projects is going to also depend on the company, like your company, if they're actually giving you access to the information and level of responsibility, you need to have to make the decisions to make that happen, right? So in its most basic form, for a project to be profit-forming, it needs to be well-managed. 
So you don't necessarily need to go get a project management certificate, although that's not a terrible idea. Um, just technical project management in general. I'm looking at resource allocation, uh, milestones, um, KPIs, you know, evaluate, setting up a, fra uh, a framework to, to evaluate, okay, how many, how much resources have gone in and what is our, you know, what is our delivery status, you know, and not waiting too long to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not waiting too long before you figure out there's a problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> but what I teach in my little mini product I have this thing called data strategy action plan, which um, leads people through the process, right? And so within that, there's um, I follow the STAR framework for everything strategic. So the STAR framework is this. You start off and you survey the industry and you look at all the use cases and the case studies that are out there and, you know, get an idea of, okay, what's possible and look also into the technology specifications, um, in the different industries to say, okay, getting an idea of what's possible and then what's possible for us given our current setup, given what we have at our disposal. And then you go into, after you've spent time surveying the industry, then you would go into taking stock of your company. So with as much access as they will give you, if you could do, you know, the whole company wide, looking at like, what are the you know, you could do SWOT analysis, but we go in a lot deeper into, you know, just evaluating every, the trying to kind of troubleshoot the business end to end to figure out, okay, where is the biggest gap? What, what is the biggest like thing that um, could be easily fixed with a data solution that is leaking money? <laughs> Great. And then put together a few ideas after like gathering all the information about the company, you assess, um, they go in an assess phase, um, you assess that information, you assess the company, then you take your use case research, your case studies, and you try and find, if this is your first project, you try and find the, the lowest hanging fruit as data strategy people say. Something is gonna get you quick success, like three months, and you turn around and it's like, woo, this is gonna save time, this is gonna save, cost spending, this is going to save money, or this is going to generate new revenues, something like that. And you evaluate your different, like after you've narrowed down the use cases to what's, because you also, when you did your assessment, um, you collected information about your technology, you know, and the data resources you have, the data technologies you have at your disposal. So you got to match it up and say, okay, what, which of these use cases is going to give us the best bang for our buck given, you know, what we have on hand? Cause you know, let's just not try and buy something else. Let's try to use what we have. So that would be how you like pick the best, you know, the best next project. If you get the option to actually do that, which is the, the big sticking point is a lot of people want to say, you do this, you know, tell other people what to do instead of giving them the option to brainstorm and work it out as a team. Um, and then lastly, make a plan. And that's going back to the first thing, which was, you know, project management and building your data strategy plan and putting in, okay, what are our milestone goals? Um, what are the resources required? So that you know, okay, like, this is what we should expect. And then if, if you don't get results that are up to that level, then very quickly you can go and troubleshoot and figure out, is there a problem? Instead of waiting three years and investing like, 
God knows millions of dollars into a technology based on a hype purchase. And then years later, finding out that, oh, shoot, that wasn't the right technology <laughs> or use yeah, case or anything. Yeah. yeah. And I've definitely seen large companies make that, make that mistake uh, where yeah, sometimes they evaluate um, techno- their technology choices in, in ways that um, are a bit short-sighted and then get caught up. Uh, down the road. So this is this is a really, yeah, really excellent um, framework. Um, Thank you. Yeah, really, really good. Um, the, uh, and... The, the whole big, remember big data, you can't even say big data anymore. It's like mm-hmm. that's synonymous with Hadoop and Hadoop yeah. basically busted out. I, I started my book with that whole thing, you know, and it's like that expresses the need. And it's not just, it's not data professionals, fault, although we're the best prime to be able to help companies avoid that because we have the data expertise, but it's also hype-based investments and also vendors who sell the wrong, you know, if you'd see someone needs something, you know, like just selling it to them because they say they want it based on hype is not a good idea. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and, not, and not an ethical thing to do either, but definitely not a way to keep your customers happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So true. So true. Um, the the other advice that I would give people is to close the loop early. Uh, when it comes to if you're if you're thinking about profit, if you're thinking about revenue, then track that early, measure that early, and and find ways to to get there as soon as possible. And to get there sooner, simplify your approaches. So sometimes instead of building an app or a dashboarding solution, sometimes like a PowerPoint analysis is enough to start getting some traction and starting to get uh, an understanding whether you are heading the right way and hitting the mark on, on a need that people have. And, and you get yeah. a, you can start getting a sense whether it's going to... For vin- minimum viable, like just spend the minimum, get it done the, and then get the results because people will invest. I like that. Your leaders, like the business leaders are going to, they'll spend money and they'll promote you if your project is like showing returns. That's why, yeah, I like your advice. That is uh, great. I love, I love your framework. Yeah. I, I, thank you. Yeah. Like across the board, like I really, I love the, the, the clarity of thinking that you bring and how you are distilling such uh, ambiguity and complexity to, uh, to really actionable steps. So, oh, awesome, <laughs> awesome, awesome. So um, uh, going back to the poll, question two was, do you have an idea that could be a data-driven venture or company? Uh, and, and with that, part of, part of the, the um, and I should have worded it better, because part of what I was thinking is um, it could be a data-driven product for within your, your company mm-hmm. or where you're working, as in like, do you see an opportunity where you could build a data-driven product where you are, uh, or that that could, or, or have a separate idea to do kind of like your own, your own business. Um, so we had 64% of people said no, and 36% of people said yes, that they do have an idea that could be a data-driven um, product or, or company. Um, really interesting. Any, any thoughts on that from your side, Lillian? I think the ideas part is fun, even for implementation people. Um, you get the ideas bug. Once it t- gets turned on, then you get too many ideas. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to stay committed. So true. <laughs> so, like you can't turn it off. Like it just, it, it just keeps flooding in. 
Oh yeah. And then if you go as an entrepreneur, if you're an entrepreneur, you go into the, oh, well, businesses do this too. Oh, let's just do the next thing. Let's just do three things at a time. And you never make progress on one. It's like, no, you have to stay committed and get this one going. And it's like, once you get the ideas to bug, hold on, <laughs> make a yeah. list. Yes. But <laughs> how do you get the ideas bug going and how do you, okay. If you have ideas already, I think um, the answer to these two things is both the same answer. And it's the same answer, whether you're working as a product, a data product manager in a company or in your own business, which is why I love the data product manager role is because I finally found a place all very similar to owning a data business. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, wow, something that I actually fit in, in the professional landscape. So the answer to this is market research. It's just market research. If you want more ideas, just spend time really, really analyzing what other people are doing, what questions people are asking, how urgent their needs are, how many other experts are over there to actually help them, how mm. many are available, because then you're going to start getting ideas of like, wow, I could I could actually solve this problem for them. And there's no one that's doing this, you know? So that is where you're going to find ideas And then in terms of if you have those ideas, that's awesome and fun. But then just because you have an idea, I would probably take 20 ideas. What we do in my, I have a course, Data Creatives and Co. for data entrepreneurs. And the first step is market research. And they get 20 ideas. And then we have an 11 column matrix where they have to evaluate the ideas Mm -hmm. and figure out which of these ideas against market conditions and, you know, time to market and how much cost is it going to take? And like, there's so many different criteria you have to consider before saying, okay, this is actually a good, this might be a good idea to actually implement. Mm -hmm. So you have to evaluate your ideas against the market and against your potential customer base. And then once you've narrowed them down, really, it's a good idea to do some interviews. You know, if you already have customers, that's great because they're going to be your first, you know, that's who you want to be building this for anyway. So, you know, do some interviews and be like how, you know, because just because you have an idea for something and it's proven that there's a market for it, then you have to make sure that you deliver in the format that is easy to be, you know, the person gets the result really easily. And so for, I just did an example of this in, in a YouTube video. If you're selling data storytelling, mm-hmm. you have, that's your expertise. You want to sell it to man, marketing managers. Don't make a course probably, or a book because yeah. they don't want, they, a marketing manager doesn't want to sit around and learn how to do this stuff. They really want the results. They want to pay good money yeah. and just serve it up to them. So you have to look at, okay, what's the vehicle by which I deliver this expertise? And that's mm-hmm. very, very important. Interviews will help you with that, especially when you're newer and you're not sure. I love this approach. <laughs> I love it. Um, so in my career, I worked in some, some really old school companies and I've had my own businesses and I've worked in startups and oh, it's across the board. But what I've noticed in old school companies, one of the things that really irritated me was that they had this great man theory in the way, which was implicit in the way that the company worked. And what I mean by that is that if somebody was doing really well in their job, they're like, oh, they're just good. They're killing it. 
let's leave them alone. And then if somebody wasn't doing as well as the company wanted, they're like, oh, they're just shit. Like they're never gonna, you know, they're never gonna kill it. And, um, <laughs> and, that's, and that's, yeah. And that's such a close-minded approach. Um, and what I really like about your approach, Lillian, is that you, uh, you find the processes that make people successful and you open those up. And essentially what you're saying is like, you know, people can learn how to be successful. They can learn how to create a successful product, how to run a successful business, how to, how to make a difference um, in, their, in their career. And here are the processes, like here's the, the steps that you need to take in order to do that. And it's a, it's a really, um, yeah, it's a really uh, open, open-minded uh, way of, of approaching it to say, how about we, you know, open up the black box, see what's there, get it out, share it with people and then help, help people on their, on their journey. So I love that. It's fun. I mean, this is my passion, you know, this is my passion. I had, I went to law school and I had my, my contracts teacher, he was amazing JAG attorney. And he would always say like, it's not the how, you know, like you can, it's, it's the why, you know, you can find a million people to do the how part for you, but the why part is what you really need to understand because that's how you can really make things happen. I just like to think about why things work the way they do. So probably that's why that's why this is happening. <laughs> exactly. No, it shows. It shows. That's uh, that's really great. No, and I, um, yeah. So I love I love the processes and doing the the market research and finding use cases. I think it's a it's an awesome approach and it's. Yeah, and, and it's another area where you and I are definitely um, think alike and and are passionate about the same. One of the when one of the reasons in that or one of the things that we do in data futurology is focus on the use cases, um, and and ask people to share their use cases from their industries, from their companies, and it's surprising how uh, how easy they can be applied to other areas. And oh, yeah. like we had somebody from, from uh, the largest bank in Mexico saying how they, they did cross-selling and killed it. And they, they were moving people from having accounts to having credit cards, to having loans, to insurance, et cetera. And the, the cross-selling made a huge difference for them as a large organization. And, and I've got so many messages from people applying that to their industries, whether like it's, it's manufacturing or, or healthcare or. After hearing about it through your, through your community. Yeah. Yeah. The way that this guy described it. They I were like, love it just, that. It I hit. love that. Yeah. It's, it is awesome. So I, no, I love that you have that as, as a, as a cool part of this process. Yeah. Can make I, sure that I you're share with you something? Of course. So, okay, so my data strategy action plan is the, the planning part, but then you need to review the use cases, right? So what I did was I made a product called data evaluation use case workbox, mm-hmm. which comes with 31, it's a, it, each set is a use case, a case study in the technology specifications. Nice. And it's broken down by industry and then by function as well. So I have it in a Trello board so you can kind of mix and match. But I think that way, you know, I think that way, like you're saying, like, oh, you could actually take this and apply it to a different industry and like, look, you know, trying to, but if I haven't like created the course to go with this. So like getting people to realize, you know, like getting people to realize that this use case would work in a a completely different capacity in a completely different industry and get completely different results. 
it's really cool that you're able to like help people. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's really um, cool. No, and it's, and it's, I like the way you're, you're doing it because you are doing the distillation ahead of time. So you do the work, you take on the work yourself to say, how do I compress all this um, knowledge and, and, and certainty and, and provide um, the processes and specific use cases and the structures for people to be able to action it? Um, that's, that's really nice. Because um, it's only 31. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot of material once you dig into all of it, but it's only 31. But then if you realize, if you think about that, they're all different and that you can, they mix and match if you are innovative, then it's actually everything you could possibly need. Exactly. You don't need to read a hundred use cases. Not that that's a bad idea, but. <laughs> but you've pulled out the, the the patterns and the key components, and then they can be used as modules to combine to creatively and, and definitely we got a and uh, we got a comment from Conrad along that that line that said use cases by industry and function including the tech stack sounds like an incredible asset yeah and, I'm gonna uh, see it like I'll talk to you about that after because it's sitting on my website I don't do much with it the whole I meant it's a very low-end offer in terms of price yeah it was meant to be a part of a slow funnel I don't know if you know what that is yeah um yeah. So, but then Facebook ads just took a, no. So it's just like, it's no. sitting on my website itself, but I'll, I'll see if you want to partner on it after because yeah, that sounds, uh, we're that not I'm doing, I'm not doing that much with it. So yeah, I think you'd like it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it really sounds really exciting and, and super valuable. Um, it is and- actually very valuable. I spent like nine months building this thing and it's like so yeah. affordable and I'm, it's got all the tools in there too built-in Google Docs, you just plug and play and get the numbers out. I was like, this is so fun, but um, you have to market your product. Exactly, right? exactly. But no, <laughs> I, I, I love the way you think. Um, and, and it's interesting, the different approach, because uh, in, in my case, like I've been creating the, the lo- uh, long-form content uh, through conversations like this, and and kind of like hoping that people would be able to pick out what's most relevant for them, whether it's you know like say use cases or leadership approaches or or um, mm-hmm. or creating a vision or a data strategy and and kind of like giving them a buffet in term, in, in the sense of this long form content giving giving buffets mm-hmm. um, and but I really like your approach where you're taking on that work uh, to, to synthesize, summarize, compile, and, and provide it in a, you know, Thank in a you. structured, yeah, nice, nice little with a bow around it, ready to. <laughs> That's a data entrepreneur in me. It's like, just we have to, because if you want people to get results, like even if you do everything and make it as simple as possible, still only a small portion of people that purchase are going to take the action required to get the value. But yes. if they can't, in terms of like, yeah, if they can't, if it's hard for them to do that, then it's, you know, not that helpful for them and they'll give up. They won't get the result. And I wasted my time. So I just try. Ah, I love it. It's great. Um, Really, really good. So, um, so that's that's actually a good a good lead into uh, the last question on the poll that we had, which was, have you had to set or create a data strategy? 
and 36% of people said yes, and 64% of people said no, they haven't had uh, to create a data strategy yet. What are, um, what are your, your thoughts or, or tips on the data strategy side? Um, what I would do, if, you, if you're interested in getting into data strategy and being a data leader, what I have recommended people do, particularly like maybe if you're working remotely, have this on a wall, or if you're working in an office, you can set up a manage, project management board. But if you, if you don't have a data project of, like, that you're in charge of the strategy, you can at least start taking your daily work and the projects you're working on and mapping them out into you know, what is my, my milestone goal? Who am I answering to here? And building a project management board in a visual way. So I use, honestly, just um, for my own peace of mind, I've got this whiteboard with um, post-it right. notes. Yeah. And I just, because I don't want to overwhelm myself. So I just put a few per week and you can plot out a few months worth of, okay, this is the goal. This is the main focus, the main focus. And then this is what it's leading to. And then this is the milestone goal for this. Here are the stakeholders and start plotting that out in a visual way. And when leadership type personnel in your company see that, they will probably start asking questions. And when you start saying like, this is my thoughts about time and money spent on this project and how well it's going. Of course, you never want to throw anyone under the bus. But when you start saying like, I'm trying to manage that. I'm trying to make this as efficient as possible so that I can do more for the business. They're naturally going to start thinking of you in terms of like, hmm, maybe this person. So you just start where you're at yeah. and maybe get a project management certificate and start implementing that in your daily role and um, things will start happening. Yeah, because then you'd be showing the, by doing that, you're showing initiative to say that this is something that you value, that you care about, that you're willing to invest your time to put together a plan, to measure the performance against it. And um, people really value that. And but you think that way, even. Exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. And it's a really great opportunity to do that within the work that you're doing. And, you know, it helps you exercise these new muscles. And, um, and then you can even have a shot at doing it for for your for your team or for your area once exactly. you've done it for your yeah for your own projects it's a really great way to do it and and sometimes like even if you're a consultant at another company and you're working on one very specific project but you see that there's either no data strategy or that that like you feel like you could put something together I encourage you to do that and, and try to socialize it, obviously in a way that's not getting people offside, that is not throwing people under the bus. But if you can, <laughs> you can get the, the support um, for, for that, um, definitely a great, great idea. Yeah, there's so many options. Well, you're an ideas person. Yeah, so for example, when, um, when I had my consulting company, um, okay. that's, that's, how we, um, that's how we grew the business. So we it's literally had... Two things that really helped us gain traction. One was subcontracting, which is yes. crazy to me. So literally like a large business would win a, a large, a really large piece of work. Oh. And often they didn't have all the people that they needed or they didn't have all the skills that they needed. And they would seek out other consulting companies to help them fill out those skill sets and those people. 
And we would get in to these large companies that way, literally by like under the umbrella of another consulting company and start doing the work, um, obviously trying to do our best, trying to prove ourselves. And then through that, uh, we would start to either stand out or, or be seen to go above and beyond and start to get the confidence of those, of those customers, of those clients. Right. Then they would want us to do subsequent projects. As we were doing those projects, we would look out to see what are the, the gaps in their strategy, um, what is the, the, company, the company strategy and the company vision, and then how the data analytics can support that. And wherever yeah. there was, was gaps, yeah, we would, we would literally like structure that into, into a strategy, a plan, and socialize that. And, and obviously trying to do that in a, in a nice and kind way. And then that would get our supporters and people would get excited to say, hey, that's a problem that we have or that's a problem that's coming up. It's important for us. Let's kick off some projects to address that. And that's how we were kind of like growing our footprint in our, in our client sites. And I'm that's not great. Like, I'm not going to say that it worked every time um and and like we had idea, like i had ideas where i was like literally like laughed out of boardrooms sometimes and and like and i had i had one like uh, i had to tell you this where we've been working with um with a cable company so they 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 provided um a media company that they mostly brought content from overseas um, and they sold it here in Australia and they had the cables. And this was, I want to say 2009 or something. And um, we presented our, our strategy. We were at that stage with that company. We had good support at the executive level. Um, I was leading that piece of work and I presented the strategy and we're having a really good discussion about the next few projects and et cetera. And, um, and in the, the final kind of like chat, I sort of said to them and I was like, hey, what, um, you guys should really think about what you would do as an organization when Netflix comes to Australia. And they laughed in my face. They laughed their asses off, like literally like belly laugh, like ha, ha, ha. As if Netflix is going to come to Australia. Yeah, but that um, was groupthink. That was denial. On it. We're all going to just be in denial until it's not going to happen. Insane. And at that point, this company, um, all the, the, the content distribution that they had was done through broadcast. So essentially their cables could send the information, but it couldn't tell you back how many people were watching anything, uh, how many people were watching the ads, what programs were the most popular. So they had like no analytics and we were building it for them. And I was like, once you have this, we had other crazy ideas. I was like, um, other crazy idea. I was like, we could, we could mine the, um, the illegal download sites and we could see what's being most downloaded from illegal download sites. And I was like, you know that that has a demand. You could go overseas and get that content and then you could sell it and people would buy it because they're trying to get it for free because they can't get it any other way. Um, yeah, that's like, exactly what happens. And they were like, nah, we're not doing that. So anyway, all of a sudden- Are they still in like, business? They are very much declining. Um, yeah, because uh, yeah, in, in a lot of trouble. And um but all I'm saying is that like you can take the right approach and you will, you know, you will win some and you'll lose some. And the idea is to like keep, keep, um, keep with the approach. 
Yeah, the thing, what your reminds me, your stories reminds me so much. I was, I'm reading this product management book, a very good one, seven, seven somethings of product management, nice. uh, sacred seven. And they were talking about Kodak. Kodak actually invented a digital camera, the first yes. digital camera, the 1975. First. And they laughed the guy out of the boardroom. They're like, Don't this is eat your, your babies. <laughs> Yeah. And then they lost their whole business to the digital industry, but they milked it. They milked it for a really long time because they were selling all the accessories, I guess. So exactly. they needed someone like you. Well, the thing is that they, they had, they had the person who built the first digital camera and then they dismissed them. They're like, nah, you're crazy. The first digital camera had like really terrible quality. The pictures were terrible, really terrible quality. And they're like, look at the quality in film. This is so much better. But well, they, yeah, it took they didn't expect version. that digital was going to improve so quickly and then take over the world yeah, and okay. get them out of business. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. Um, we had a few comments. Um, I know. Thank you guys so much for your kind comments. Really. I saw, I've been seeing some of these and I'm like, yeah, thank you. So re- thank it's you rewarding know. to get positive feedback. So especially when, said, especially, when? especially when you're writing a book and it's, Oh, I am so impressed with the, with like, <laughs> I what, love hearing good things. Cause I'm like, please <laughs> pick oh, me up. <laughs> are you kidding me? Between like the, the, the courses that you, that you've put together, the, um, the books that you've written, the, um, the business and being able to create all these um, frameworks and processes for people. Like that's, that's what I was saying in the beginning. It is literally, a lifetime's worth of work that you've done in less than a decade. It is crazy. Um, we had some just just before. Sorry, I know we're, we're over time. All right, just before we wrap up, a few comments from people. Uh, Fiona said, really helpful. Uh, have been checking out the Data Mania website, which is already helping me think about different career options. Great. Um, Conrad says, there is a lot, uh, there is a lost of consulting, maybe lots of consulting um, to make data implementers become successful. And Lillian seems to have an all the hard thinking. I agree. Not everyone has the skill set. I agree with that too. Um, very happy you share your story, frameworks, and approach. Thank you. Um, and Fiona says, thanks to Filippo for sharing these stories, insightful, and teaches you to persist in the face of these sorts of views. Great. It's Guys. true. It's true, Philippe, because that's one of the things that's nice about working in your own business is there's not someone here to laugh at you because you're the boss. Yeah. <laughs> and like being in a place where some where people have get in a group and do something like that. It's like, it doesn't feel good. So it's nice that you can share stories that help other people, you know, basically overcome that fear and not let that paralyze them and stuff like that. That's some area I have very little experience with because I just am very sensitive. So I just bailed (laughs) before anyone could start laughing. Oh, I have like too many of those, like (laughs) a lot of, um, a lot of scars from those, um, from those war stories. (laughs) Um, All right. We are definitely over time. Uh, Lillian, Thank you so much you so, uh, for so coming much. to the show, for sharing your thoughts, your perspectives, your insights. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Oh, like I love the way you think and the, the pace at what you, you work and the pace at what you deliver. It is <laughs> Tell amazing. that to my editor. Send them my email. I'll, uh, I'll tell them that. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> <And> God. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, looking forward to another conversation. So this has been great. And for everyone that joined today live, thank you so much. Come back next Friday. So we're speaking with Abby Seth, who is the Vice President for Analytics at TE Connectivity, which is a very, very large electronic and manufacturing company based in the US. And they have hundreds of thousands of employees. And he is doing enterprise analytics for the whole organization. And uh, it's been an amazing journey. To come back for that next Friday morning. Uh, thanks everyone who joined live. And Lillian, thank you so much again. Thank that you, was Lillian. wonderful. Have a great day, everyone. See you next time. That brings this episode to conclusion. Thank you so much for listening. Please find us on datafuturology.com or on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram as Data Futurology. Also go to datafuturology.com forward slash podcast to find the show notes for this and any other episodes. If you like this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you could leave us a review wherever you listen to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and that it was helpful and valuable for you. Thanks again and see you next time.